Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Well, for the first time uh, in seven years, we are about to attempt our Daniel fast as a church. Now, don't panic when we say 21 days. Uh, We're not expecting everybody to do a 21-day fast. We're certainly not expecting anybody to go without food completely for 21 days. Uh, Some of us will be fasting completely from all food. We will keep the water flowing because we need that to live. Um, But uh, many of us will be attempting for the first time a fast which uh, abstains from meat, from breads, from sweets, from anything sugary. Hello? From anything sugary. I can feel the withdrawal system hitting my body already. It needs to, praise God. Uh, From desserts, all those little specials, those treats, crunchy bars, all those things. Amen? Uh, So we're going to look at... uh, practicing some self-denial over that period of time. You know, fasting is, it's a one-two combo, prayer and fasting, and fasting, boom, boom. One-two combo that we get, and it's the most powerful weapon the church has ever seen given to them. And when we get a hold of this weapon, it brings incredible breakthroughs within our life. Fasting is mentioned a total in the scriptures of 23 stories of fasting in the Bible. Uh, There is uh, 12 recorded in the New Testament. Moses did a 40-day fast where he met with God on the mountain. It was a supernatural fast. He had neither food nor water for 40 days, which is simply not possible without supernatural intervention. We see that Hannah was barren. And, uh, and she cried out to the Lord during a fast, and she was so desperate, she was accused of being drunk with her behavior, but she was so hungry and so desperate for God to bring breakthrough that her womb would no longer be barren, and God gave her a child who became the mighty prophet Samuel. We see that Nehemiah fasted when he heard about the condition of the broken down walls and the gates that had been burned by fire, and Jerusalem was now vulnerable to all of her enemies. And the Bible says, says he immediately wept, fasted, and prayed, and God moved miraculously, gave him resources, provision, literally gave him soldiers, an armed escort to go back to Jerusalem with all the resources to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. That all happened at the beginning through a breakthrough fast. So fasting is incredible about bringing it. Do you have a long-standing problem in your life this morning? Do you have an issue today that you wish would just go away, but you've never tried fasting? I want to encourage you through prayer and fasting, breakthrough is on its way into your life today. Can I hear an amen from somebody? You're praying, I don't want to say amen because that means I might have to fast. (laughs) We know that Daniel, what we're looking at doing, Daniel prayed and fasted a partial fast for 21 days. And uh, he, he forbade himself from touching any of the delicacies that everybody else was partaking of at the king's table. And at the end of it, uh, the king said, you look better than all these other guys through the fast that you've been doing. And, and the hand of God was upon him. And at the end of that fast, an angel visited him 
and gave him revelation about the end times. And so fasting can open portals, doorways into the spirit realm that you've never accessed before. And so when you begin to set your heart as Daniel did, and we know that there was a battle going on in the heavens when he fasted and prayed for those 21 days. The angel Gabriel was dispatched from heaven in response to the first day he set his heart to pray and fast. The Bible says the angel was released, but in the heavenly realm, he battled. He battled in the heavenly realm and, and got assistance from Michael the archangel to come and help so that he could bring the answer through to Daniel. Uh, so we see that fasting and prayer causes angels to be dispatched from headquarters in heaven and to bring divine answers and revelation into our lives simply because we've been willing to commit ourselves and show some self-denial. And as a result of that, God moves. It's not a reward or it's not earning favour with God. This is what happens is that when we fast, we, 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 we are placing ourselves into a position of vulnerability in which we then have no other option but to draw close to God. And in the drawing close to God, that's when all the action takes place and all the things begin to happen. So do you need more money? Do you need a better job? Do you need better family relationships? Do you need a breakthrough in your body? Whatever it is that God has put on your agenda, then I want to encourage you over this month of February and part of March to join in with the rest of us and see God begin to do some amazing things. Jesus had it on his agenda. Now, I know that some of you uh, need to take food with your medication. Please don't stop. Continue as doctor's orders. Um, in that whole process, but most of you will be able to enter into a partial fast over that period of time where there is something that you're denying your body from that you would normally partake of. You see, Jesus taught in Matthew 6, three Christian graces. Verse 2, he said, when you give, don't pull out your trumpets and begin to blast on the trumpet saying, look at me, everybody. Look how much money I'm giving. He, he then went on to say, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing when it comes to... In other words, he expected everybody to partake in the grace of giving. But he said, if you're going to do it for the applause of men, you've already got your reward. If that's your motive to show off to everybody how much money you can give to the work of God, then you will receive your reward. He said, the way you enter into this whole deal is to do it in secret. And then he said, so he said, when you give, then he went on uh, to say, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who stand in the marketplace in their long flowing robes and begin to pray long prayers to receive the applause of men. He said, rather, go into your closet and pray in secret, and the one who sees you in secret, your heavenly Father, will reward you openly. So you've got to understand, there is a reward from heaven when it comes to prayer, giving, and fasting. And lastly, in Matthew chapter 6, he says, when you fast, don't be like these guys who, who paint their face with ashes and, uh, and look for sympathy, and they're going out saying, oh, everybody, I'm weak and sickly because I'm fasting. I'm such a spiritual person. Clap me, clap me. <laughs> 
Well, you might get clapped, but he says that's when the reward finishes. There is no other reward. So you get the point of what uh, Jesus is teaching. When you, when you give, when you pray, when you fast, not if you give, not if you pray, not if you fast, but when. Say no more. <laughs> and so today and we're going to do three series. We're going to talk about some of the, dy- the dynamics of fasting over the next two weeks to show you clearly and practically how you can enter into a fast, what some of the things that you can prepare for and get ready for some breakthrough within your life. But today I want to build the foundation of fasting, which is prayer. Pointless entering into fasting if you don't pray. Prayer and fasting is linked together in the Scriptures. So when we set our hearts to fast, we're setting aside time to pray, special time to pray. Uh, We're not talking about long periods of time in prayer, but we're talking about significant periods that you mark in your schedule in which you will come aside and begin to seek the face of the Lord. And uh, I've discovered this, is that any kind of prayer, uh, the Scripture even says in the book of Zechariah, that I'm not interested in your fast because you've done it for all the wrong reasons. So heart and motive and condition and attitude of the stuff that's going on inside is vitally important in order for you to get the full reward of entering into this spiritual exercise with Jesus. So today I want to talk about prayer that's fueled by faith. And so we know... And I won't dwell long on this, but we know that biblically right now, Isaiah 60, first three three verses, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And it says, and even though there's gross darkness and deep darkness that's covering the face of the earth, God's light will rise and shine upon you. And so this is talking about the light of Jesus and His light radiating upon your life in the midst of very, very dark period on planet earth. Right now we would have to say that right around the world, even in our own nation in the last 12 months, where we have seen something we've never witnessed before with over 50 people gunned down in like a PlayStation-style killing, where innocent people were shot dead in that mosque in Christchurch, which is really a copycat crime of what's been happening in the United States of America for years and years, where we have seen all these incredible, ruthless acts, demonic acts, beginning to explode around the world. This is the period the Bible is describing of deep darkness covering the face of the earth. But it's the worst of times and it's the best of times because he said, when that darkness comes, my light will shine and begin to rise upon you, the church of Jesus Christ. It will be a period where there will be great revival. It will be a period like in Noah's day where the rains came down to destroy the earth and the darkness and the earth. But the, the ark who had the righteous inside the ark was elevated in a time of deep darkness upon the planet. So as the darkness descends on the earth, the church of Jesus will shine and radiate the glory of God in these dark times that we are living in. And so this is why we need to be able to plug in with a prayer life that God's developing in you right now that is going to be fueled with fresh faith. I want to take you to a story where Jesus began to um, 
explain this key ingredient in a way that is a very simple story for us to understand. There was an unjust judge, and I'll read from Luke 18, verse 1. He spoke a parable to them. Here's the topic. Listen to the topic. That men always ought to pray and not lose heart. How many of you have lost heart in prayer? (laughs) Okay. So he's talking to you this morning. He's talking to me. What he's about to say to us is that I've got a remedy for your life so you don't stop praying. I've got a solution for those times where you get discouraged so you can keep on praying and you can endure through those difficult periods within your life. Verse 2, saying there was a certain city, a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. That saying, by the way, is in classic Greek, and it describes a person who is unprincipled or immoral. He doesn't fear God, or he doesn't fear man. So we know he's not talking about the righteous, true judge, God himself. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterwards he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because the widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Oh, then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. Shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out, Day and night to him, though he bears long with them. I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, whenever you see nevertheless, take note what follows. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? So here's the story of a woman who has an issue of injustice. A crime has been committed against her, so she's going to the person in society that should be able to fix it, the judge. Judges pass out sentences. I know, I've been in the dock. Judges pass out sentences. And you will find that a righteous judge has a lot of reputation in the community. So she goes to this judge and she waddles in. Judge, avenge me, avenge me of this injustice that's happened to me. I've been wronged. You're in a position in society. Make the wrong right. He doesn't listen to her. Next day, she rocks up to the judge's chambers, pleads her case. He doesn't listen to her. Next day, she rocks up. Now, by the third day, the judge is starting to take notice of this wearisome person that is just like a thorn in his side. And even though he doesn't fear God nor fear man, she just could neck minute. (laughs) She just keeps rocking up, rocking up, rocking up. And here's the point that Jesus made. He said this, even though 
I'm an unrighteous judge and I don't fear God and I don't fear man because of her continual, persistent coming to me day after day after day. I'm getting so sick of this woman bothering me. I will bring an answer to her request. And then Jesus says at the end of it, how much more will the righteous, true judge of heaven listen to your ongoing requests that are fueled by faith to bring an answer from the sanctuary of heaven and begin to make a difference and bring the justice that is rightfully yours. Hallelujah. And yet at the end, he says this, nevertheless, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? So see you here, you, 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 you're hearing right now that the key ingredient for persistent, enduring, faith-filled prayer is actually the, the resource of faith being activated and is alive within your heart. Because Jesus is saying, He's saying this, consistency and continual supplication and coming before me and enduring in that place of prayer the ingredient that you're going to need is faith that is alive and activated within your heart. And we're going to see why in just a minute. Men ought always to pray and not lose heart. That word literally means don't faint. Don't faint. It means, it means lack of courage, losing heart. Or giving up. We can all relate to that definition. We can all relate to the fact that there's times in our life where we don't even feel like God is listening to us. Where we don't we feel like our prayers are bouncing back down and ricocheting off the heavens down back onto us at times within our life. And so we understand. We understand what it means to lose heart and to lose courage within our life. And so he says, because the widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And that's an unrighteous judge. So remember today, we're sitting at a pivotal time in history of the globe. And I guess there's no doubt in your heart and my heart, with the increase of earthquakes in diverse places, often triggering giant tsunamis we've never had. I watched the Japanese tsunami the other day on YouTube, and I was absolutely shocked at the force of that tsunami. I've never seen anything like it. And yet we know that this is going to continue to increase as, as we come near the end of the end times. And so we understand that there is there's a shortness of time. There is an urgency in the Spirit for us to catch what God is wanting to do do through his church so that we can arise and shine with him. And so you see, we need faith to keep coming back. Once you lose heart, once you lose courage, once you lose sight of the goal that God has placed within your heart, once that gets buried by your circumstances, this is what happens. Discouragement enters into your life and faith goes out the window. And Jesus is saying, whatever happens to you, don't lose your faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, Hebrews 11 verse 1, the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith is like you've been given the land, you've never seen it, but you hold the title deed in your hand and you say, I know that I know this is mine. It belongs to me, even though I've never seen the plot. I've never seen the land. I've got substance in my spirit because God has spoken to me. How does faith come? Romans 
10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the, that's the rhema word. What that means is God speaking into your life. You can read the Bible till the cows come home. You can read 50 chapters a day. But if you don't have a quickened rhema word, then faith will remain dead in your spirit. Faith comes alive when God speaks and you hear. Faith comes. You know when you've got faith. Suddenly you can step out in faith and you can go and start a new church. You can do that because God's placed faith within your life, even though you feel stretched at times. And even though you feel that like sometimes this is madness, you begin to understand that God has a plan. We had a tremendous meeting at Huapai on Thursday night as we began to listen and hear the testimony of those who have lived in the community for a long time and how the devil has destroyed church after church after church out there. Over the last 30 to 40 years, churches have risen in Kumu Huapai area and they've come crashing down and they've vaporized and they've completely disappeared. They're no longer in existence anymore. So God has a time. God has a season. We finished seven years, which is a complete season. Isn't the timing amazing that in the first week of the next seven years, God gets us to start another church because there's a brand new chapter that's beginning to rise and we have faith in our hearts for miracles. We have faith in our hearts to see people come to Christ. We are all already seeing people come to Christ out there. And so we want to see this all unfold as we begin to mix faith strongly in our spirit with what God is saying. Hallelujah. You see, 1 John 5, 4 says this, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world is our faith, is our faith. Your faith has overcoming power. Your faith, when you have it firmly enconched into your spirit. Yeah, that's a big word, enconched. I think it's a real word. When it's in your spirit, when it's embedded into your spirit, then the boat can be rocked. It can even spring some leaks. But you know that you know that you know that if God is for me, then who can be against me? You know that you know that you know that miraculous power is coming through your hands because Jesus said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You know that you know that you know in the middle of the time of famine that God will bring ravens to your doorstep and feed you. Hallelujah. That if you put out your empty vessel every day, He'll fill it with fresh oil because you know that you know that you know that your faith in your heart will produce a miraculous outpouring of God's Spirit within your life. God is drawn to your faith like a magnet. God is drawn to your faith like a moth to a light bulb. He can't help it. He comes when He sees faith in your heart. He will come and He will answer you and He will avenge you speedily. Can I hear an amen this morning? Praise God. So as I finish this message this morning, for the sake of time, let me just tell you the story. John the Baptist, who Jesus named as the greatest of all the Old Testament prophets, I find that an astounding statement. Greater than Elijah, eight incredible miracles. Greater than Elisha, 16 incredible miracles. Greater than Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah. He says John the Baptist was the greatest of all of these. And yet we don't see one recorded miracle through John the Baptist. But he said, even the least in the kingdom of heaven, that's you, is greater than John. That's good for your self-esteem this morning. That's great for your self-esteem. 
But even you this morning are greater than the Jeremiah's, the Ezekiel's, the Moses this morning because you didn't get the, they didn't get the chance that you've got. You have the Messiah, Jesus Christ, living inside of you. So wherever you go, you take the Messiah with you. He's with you always. They never got that opportunity, but you get that opportunity today. And so John the Baptist, listen to the Scripture here that says in verse 2 of Luke 3, while Annas and Caiaphas were high priests, listen to this, the Word of God came to John, the Word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias in the wilderness, verse 3, and he went into the region around Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Here it is, guys. Here's a man that God has been preparing. But he's got one ingredient missing. He doesn't have a living, active Rima word in his heart. He can't do any ministry he's going to go out in his own strength. He can't activate his ministry because to activate his ministry, he needs to cooperate and collaborate with the Holy Spirit. And the scripture says, the word came to John and then he went. The word came to John and then he went. The rema was inserted into John the Baptist's spirit. And after it was inserted into his spirit, fresh faith was activated within John the Baptist's life. And the Bible tells me in the history, the records of uh, the historical times that John preached, says over 100,000 people came into the desert to hear this man preach. No sound system, no lights, no smoke machines. They came to hear a man who was filled with faith preach a gospel of repentance and he turned his world upside down because the rhema of God entered his spirit. God found his address. God found where he lived. And as a result of knowing where he lived, he posted a message that came by the spirit into his heart and faith was activated and John John's ministry began in the power of the Holy Spirit. Does God know where you live? Has He found your address? Is He depositing fresh, active words, rema words of the Spirit into your life? Because when He does that, everything changes for you. You can endure all sorts of unimaginable hardship when you're carrying a word from God. Because when you carry a word from God, you will go, 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 go. And he heard a word from God and he went, grow and go, grow and go. Come on, church, grow and go. We grow as we receive. So what do we need to do practically, friends, to make all this happen is that you need to position yourself in such a way that you have multiple avenues where God can insert the rhema, the quickened word, his voice, speaking directly into your spirit. You know, just last year when we went down, I went down with Georgie and Annie and we heard I just, they were so phenomenal as they ministered and shared their testimony in my old hometown of Martin. But I, was, I began by teaching Georgie and Annie about whenever I go away, I ask the Lord, what are you cooking up in your walk today? Walk stands for word of knowledge. What are you cooking up in your walk today? And I come before God every time I minister and I write down words of knowledge. And I had five clear words of knowledge. So I went to Georgie and Annie's room and I said, this is what I believe God's cooking up in his walk today. And we're going to see this happen in the meeting.
And one of the words that I had in the meeting was that there was somebody present who had sickness in their body and they didn't realise that this long-term sickness that they were fighting actually entered their body through grief when somebody who was very close to them passed away suddenly and as a result of that, a spirit of grief came upon them and a spirit of infirmity and they were sick from that day forward. Now I shared that in the service and I was only two-thirds of the way through and this woman cried out and shrieked in the meeting as that spirit was identified right there and then as she, as she, and she began to weep and howl in the service as God began to deliver her. Now one situation like that in a short moment of time is not something for the professional preachers or clergy. It's something for every single one of us because God has called to this day the day of the saints, not the day of the super pastor. This is the day of the saints. This is your day. This is my day. This is the day where we can all, all catch what God is cooking in His walk. Another one of the words that I had in the meeting that day, which never got responded to, I said, there's somebody here and the devil's been lying to you and he's been telling you that you married the wrong person and you're getting ready to divorce that person. I didn't ask for somebody to come forward right there and then, but I said, I'd like you to come forward and I want to speak to you. At the end of the service, nobody came forward. The pastor just texted me last week and he said, guess what? He calls me Jimmy Jack. Guess what, Jimmy Jack? He's an old school friend. He said, guess what? He said, you know, the word that you had about the guy that was being lied to, he said, he came forward to me, came to see me during the week. He said, he wouldn't admit when you gave that word of knowledge in the service that it was him. He was in denial, but he said he was planning that very week to divorce his wife. They'd lived apart, and he said he went to do the divorce that week, and he couldn't do it. God stopped him, and as he stopped him, He began to get a fresh appreciation and love in his heart for the person he was about to divorce. And now they're right at the stage of reconciliation. Woo! For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal toward him. This is what God is saying to us this morning. He's saying as long as you have a loyal heart, as long as you have a faithful heart that has that deposit of the living word inside of it, then he can begin to steer and direct your life in such a way that you will be blessed to be a blessing and many lives can be changed through your witness. Could we stand to our feet, church?